Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Gene Marks to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. We are thrilled to have you, and I'm really super happy to have Mike Katz with me. Mike is the president of marketing, innovation, and experience at T-Mobile. First of all, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks, Gene. So great to be here. Thanks for having me. So first of all, uh, like, looking at your title, like is, is, that, is that CMO? Is that below CMO? Like, where, 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 where are you in the whole organizational structure of T-Mobile? Uh, I guess we need to get more creative with our titling. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I have, um, the, the way our, our organization is set up, I have responsibility for essentially all the traditional marketing functions. I, I actually have four CMOs that report to me um, that, that run the different lines, uh, work closely with the different lines of business and run the uh, marketing uh, for those different lines of business. Uh, but I also have responsibility for product at T-Mobile. Uh, we have a product organization. Uh, I have responsibility for our, our wholesale business. So a lot of the work that we do with uh, MVNOs, so companies like Mint Mobile and um, you know, companies like Google Fi who buy network assets from us and then repackage them under their own brands. Right. Um, uh, all, all, all that's uh, all that is within my team as well. How long have you been with the company? This is uh, I'm going to have my 25 year anniversary this year. So amazing. Um, you know, I started when I was in middle school, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> and 25 years later, here I am. I mean, did you start out like selling phones in stores? Are you one of those guys or was it a different path? Yeah, I um, close to that. Yeah. I, I I I was in college and I needed a job, and I essentially got a part time job with the predecessor company of T Mobile, which was a small regional cell phone company called Voice Stream Wireless. And my first job was I would sit in very very illustrious retailers like Circuit City and like uh, Sears and help their their salespeople sell Voice Stream cell phones and. I did that for a part-time basis for my last two years of college and then uh, graduated and was offered a full-time position launching at the time, which was uh, the biggest commercial market for VoiceStream, uh, Chicago. So I went to Chicago about a year before we launched that market and helped, uh, helped, helped launch our services there. Mike, I mean, for, I, I promised you we're going to get to T-Mobile and mobile technology and talk about all that, but... That's a, it's a crazy story. I mean, so you're like really kind of like a, a low level sales person or sales support person right out of college, right? With this organization. And now you're at an extremely high level within the company. I, I got it. I mean, there's obviously there's luck involved, but um, how did you get there? I'm, I'm curious, like how that happened. Was it, is this like 20 hour days of work? Was it just right place, right time, combination of different things? I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think things like this are never one thing, right? You know, I um, right. I, I I feel extremely fortunate, and I you know, I mean, I I suppose you could say luck all, plays a role in a lot of these things. A lot of times, I think there's a couple specific things that helped me. Um, one one was, and I think this is important for everybody that's in any kind of job is. Um, it's really about results. Like you have to be able to demonstrate that you can you can get results. And I and I fortunately have been and been able to assemble teams um, throughout my career that have have been able to really drive meaningful change and meaningful results. Um, I, I also think I mean th there's definitely sacrifice that comes with these jobs too. I er, early in my career 
I moved seven times, um, you know, all over the country. Um, you know, fortunately, the first couple, it was it was just me. Um, so the only person I was affecting was me. Uh, but the, the last couple moves I did, it was, you know, I was married and I had kids. And so, you know, we picked up the family and moved around. So I, I, I do think there is a, um, it, you know, some sacrifice and a little bit of uh, going where the opportunity is. Um, I, I, and, and, and as part of that, and one thing I, it's funny, I, I just recently did a, um, I, I was asked to do the commencement speech at my alma mater a couple weeks ago. And one of the things I really focused on um, when, when I spoke was this idea of taking risks in your career and not letting the structured plan that you have for yourself dictate and cause you dictate what you do and cause you to miss opportunities that are right in your face. And I think for me, I can point to a couple different jobs that I had the opportunity to do that were, that were presented in front of me that I was really scared to take. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this job. Um, and if I hadn't done them, there's no way I'd be in this, this job that I'm in right now. And so one of the things I also, I also feel like helped me. And I, I always tell everybody that asked me a similar question is, um, if, if the next job that you take doesn't terrify you some, then you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know, it's great advice. And you also have to think to yourself, like, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, honestly, I mean, if you completely, if you fail and you lose your job, there's plenty of other jobs that are out there, but you can't be 80 years old and looking back and saying, I should have done this or I should have done that. You got to go for it. You know? Absolutely. I, I think you always regret more what you don't do versus what you do. hundred percent. Always. hundred yeah. percent. You know, you also brought up a good point about, you know, you moved around a lot. So there was like sacrifice. I, I worked at KPMG for nine years and and I was a senior manager. One of the main reasons why I didn't become a partner is because I didn't do what you did. You know, like, you know, my wife was not willing to move. We had little kids. It's, she moved all the way, you know, from London uh, when we got married. Um, so you make those decisions and it's been fine and it's been a very good decision. But if you want to succeed in a corporate environment like you're at, I, I truly believe in it. It's just a lesson for people watching or listening to this that are younger. Um, you know, whether you're owning a business, you're a manager in a business, People that hire, we're, I mean, we're always looking for people that are just going to get stuff done, you know, and and not say no. You know, I mean, that's really what we're looking for. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds like that was kind of like the way you've been and the way you probably still are. Yeah, um, I, I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, that's 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 what I, that's what I aspire to be. Um, and it is hard. Um, one of the tricks for me is. I, I told my wife when we moved to Seattle in 2007 that it would be a two-year move. Right. And, and now it's 2023. Yeah. We're still in Seattle. So um, so I do get reminded about that every once in a while. But yeah, I mean, I, um, you got you got to you got to uh, roll the dice on these things. And, you know, at the end of the day, in uh, in any company, performance and results do do matter. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not just taking the risk, but it but it is um, it is it is demonstrating that you can execute and you have to be able to point to tangible examples of where you have been able to put your fingerprints on things and it's translated into into results um, and I and I think having that in the back of your mind as as you're working on a project or working on a new part of the business is is really really important like you want you want to be able to show small successes and get points on the scoreboard yeah it's great advice it really is all right um Mobile technology. So um, it's it's changed a little bit since you first started back in the voice stream days. Um, I, you, let, let's look back at the past a little bit, and then we'll look towards the future. First of all, um, 
again, our audience are, are business owners like myself. How is, how's the environment for mobile technology changed in the past just few years that, you know, that just explain to us where we are compared to where we were just a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're at the the very beginnings of another huge generation uh, generational excuse me change in in mobile, and if you go if you go back, you know, call it uh, ten years ago, um, if you if you remember what happened in mobile, we went from an environment where your phone was a thing that you talked on and maybe sent some text messages to uh, the four G era in mobile phones. Um, really opened the door for the mobile internet, where uh, one of the things that Mike, our, our CEO, often says is, um, you know, over the last 10 years, content is moving from its linear format onto the internet. And at the same time, the internet is moving more and more mobile. And 4G really was the catalyst for that. And if you look at what happened in the business environment, companies that really embraced that and got behind it became went from unicorns into the biggest companies in the world. You know, you think about the, you know, the Googles, you know, the Facebooks, um, even some of the startups at the beginning of the 4G era, like the Ubers and the Airbnbs and companies like that, that embraced mobile as, as their business platform really thrived in this, in this 4G era. And now we're, we're like, I, I think really starting to get into what is another big generational shift with 5G. Um, and 5G has got a ton of ingredients that, that make, this by far the most powerful mobile platform um, that that we've seen to date, as the you know the, the next generation would suggest. Uh, but I think it's converging with uh, you know with an environment, uh, particularly around uh, generative AI and big data, that is really going to change the way that I eventually I think that all of us work and all of us interact with with our devices. Um, I, I think I think what we're going to see here over the next few years is going to be as big as when PC computers uh, became a thing, as big as when mobile in, initially launched. I think we're really uh, hitting this next big step change in technology with generative AI and these and these large language models that are that are powering it. Um, and you know, you're seeing bits bits and pieces of it with things like Chat GPT. Um, but I, I think over the next couple of years fundamentally the way that a lot of work gets done is going to change in a, in a way that we haven't seen in, in a couple of decades. You know, I heard um, uh, Elon Musk was interviewed. I, I talked about this before on my podcast. One of my favorite podcasts is uh, a guy named Lex Friedman who does a, it's a, he does it. It's he's an AI guy and a technology guy. And it was like a three hour interview with Elon Musk about a year ago. And they were talking about um, self-driving cars, you know, cause you know, he's trying to do that with Tesla and, and, Musk was saying how like it, it's a lot harder than he thought it was going to be. Now, if he says it's a lot harder than he thought it was going to be, that clearly means that it was pretty hard. Um, one of the, the the biggest the biggest obstacle that he has and still has is that for a uh, a car to make a decision, a self driving decision, it has to take into account all these factors of an environment all around, just like we do in our minds, and then make this split second decision. Otherwise, it runs over a puppy. You know what I mean? Like it's got to. And the processing power that's needed, the networking power, the broadband power that's needed to process this stuff, it's just, it's just not there yet. So I, I guess, which brings me to my question for you, is um, we're at 5G now. 
um, whatever that means. You know, I'm assuming there's 6G, 7G, 10G. I mean, there's got there for all that AI to work that you're talking about. It's going to need more powerful networks. And is that what T-Mobile is doing? Yeah, um, we are. And, and like, look, I, th I still think we're very, very early in yeah. the 5G days. And that use case that you just brought up is a perfect example of what I think uh, the promise of a 5G network is. Because in order for all that AI to work in that situation in a car, you know, that's on a road somewhere, uh, you need split, you know, you need the processing to happen, but it needs to happen and react in a in a split second. And I think one of the big changes that you see from 4G and 5G in the network is latency. Um, it, it is moving from a, you know, dozens and dozens of milliseconds of latency in a 4G network to, uh, you know, I think you're going to see, and you're already seeing, you know, some places where this happens, networks that perform it way, way under 10 milliseconds. Um, so that when that dog jumps into the road and the car has to recognize that and stop, you know, it's it, that you, it's backed up with a network that can that can process and, uh, you know, put the right commands to that car in time for it not to, uh, you know, ruin some <laughs> poor kid's day that their dog got run over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's still a ways to go and there's there's a lot to go within 5G. Um, let me ask you some other questions. And again, this as, as a business, these are questions that I get from my my clients as well. Um when they're looking for different carriers um, and they consider a T-Mobile, you have your competitors as well. Um, so two part question. First of all, I mean, you guys have been around for a while and your competitors have been around for a while. Is there a point where you guys reach like a commodity level, like one's no different than the other? Or do you still feel that there will always be differentiation between the major carriers like yourselves and your competitors? Um. I, I mean, I think there'll always be differentiation, and I think it will. Ha it happens in two dimensions. Um, one is on the core product itself, which is which is our network, and I'll come back to that in a second. And then the second one is on I'll, I'll call it value proposition. And and there, I think you, I, I think in both areas, you see some really significant differentiation between between the companies. If you look at network, and if you look at what's happening in in five G, um, and I think I think generally in our space. There's a little bit of a perception that that these are big phone companies. They're not the digital native companies. They're really slow moving Goliaths. And, you know, how they were five years ago, probably today, you know, the phone companies aren't that much different. And I think that's um, that couldn't be further from the truth. Because, that, by know, the way, least, what you just mentioned, it, that is the perception. That is what I hear yeah. from my clients. I, 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 I definitely think that's the perception. Right. And I, I think it's actually one of the biggest opportunities for T-Mobile because if you if you look at what's happened to our company over the last five years, um, we are uh, our core product, our network is been completely transformed, and one of the big catalysts for that was our uh, integration, our merger with Sprint, um, and one of one of the things um, that happened with this merger with Sprint is uh, Sprint had a uh, a huge amount of unused midband wireless spectrum um, in, in the two and a half gigahertz range. Um, and I'm not going to geek out on wireless spectrum unless you really want to. But um, what, one, of, one of the reasons why that was important is what we're seeing with 5G is 5G is really uh, where, where the what we call the Goldilocks area for 5G, where the, where the most impactful 5G use cases and experiences are happening is in the mid-band spectrum ranges. 
Um, spe- like wireless spectrum really is is in th- in three different ranges. We right. have low band, which is kind of like AM radio, right? Um, where you could we can put it we can put a tower up and it covers a large area, but the performance uh, isn't isn't as powerful. Um, Mid band, uh, which has a nice balance of um, you know being able to have a large coverage area, um, but also really really strong performance. And then millimeter wave, which happens up up in the really high frequencies, where the performance is incredible, but the propagation is really low, like like a pane of glass or a hand will block the signal. Um, so midband is where we're really seeing this uh, this five G race play out. And T-Mobile is in an incredible position in midband spectrum. We, we we've got more, and we've got more deployed than anyone else. And and what happened is this the Sprint acquisition really became a catalyst for T-Mobile to um, we were we like it, admittedly in the 4G era. T-Mobile was the laggard. We were the last to deploy 4G, and we were playing catch up for a decade with with Verizon in particular on 4G. But we we looked at this Sprint uh, acquisition as an opportunity not just to launch 5G, but leapfrog everybody else on 5G. And that's exactly what's played out in the in the three years since we bought Sprint. Uh, we have deployed the biggest, most powerful 5G network in the world. Um, and you know, just just to give some context to that, our 5G footprint in square miles is bigger than AT and T and Verizon combined. Combined, um, we you know we're cover, we cover at the end of this year 300 million people with with 5G, and that's uh, and that's important because um, where we're going to cover at the end of this year, that our two main competitors haven't even announced plans at any point in the future to get there. Um, so we uh, this this merger gave us. Um, at least a two-year head start. But if you look at if you look at some of the innovations that we are uh, continuing to launch, we're the we're the only network that has a fully dedicated 5G core. Meaning our 5G traffic flows through a 5G network core. Our, our competitors, their 5G traffic goes through their 4G core first, which gives you smaller coverage rings and higher latency. Um, we were the first. We were the first to deploy that, um, and then we've got some like uh, spectrum aggregations and some some other uh, some other capabilities that we launched on the network that's given us this this two year lead that we don't see going away anytime soon. Like two years from now, we will still have a two year lead uh, on five G on five G with between AT and T and Verizon. Um, so I th- I think there's still uh, there's still significant differentiation that's that's happening in network in this five in the in particularly the five G technology, and then you know if you look if you look at the history of our company, particularly over the last decade, where we have really stood out and where we've uh, both changed the industry but also set ourselves apart from AT and T and Verizon is how we've built our value proposition. Um, you know we we have we have kind of prided ourselves on disrupting the industry and changing the rules of the industry in favor for our customers. Um, you know, looking at the pain points that existed, you know, you go back, to, doesn't, you don't have to go back that far, like 10 years ago, think about how painful this industry was if you were a wireless consumer. You had, you had two-year contracts that really had no meaningful benefit. There was no unlimited plans. You couldn't ever upgrade your phone. Uh, if you went international, you were coming back with like a $2,000 bill. Uh, those were all things that we systematically launched innovations against and not only set ourselves apart by differentiating our proposition for customers, we forced the rest of the industry to change. 
So now all of those things I just said have all been solved at AT&T or Verizon because they went through multiple quarters of like losing customers and were like, oh my gosh, we better do something. And they, they ended up changing their proposition. So um, we are going to stay on our front foot for that. Like we, we actually just launched another one of our, what we call these uncarrier moves um, in April. Um, and you're not going to see us stop. Um, you know, we will continue to look for opportunities in the marketplace where customers aren't getting treated right and, and unleash big T-Mobile innovation against them, which is going to keep us, um, I think, now and in the future, materially differentiated from what AT&T and Verizon do, because we just run this company with a different ethos. It's yep. centered around customers. Yep. Uh, it's listening to customers and then going and doing what they're telling us to do, which is not the way these other guys run their companies. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, everybody will have their point of view. I, I, I can tell you about the the entire industry overall. I mean, I've been using cell phones since they first came since the BlackBerry. Um and it's you can't even compare it to the way it was 10, you know, 20 years ago. And where my mobile device might have been a source of headaches for me, even a few years ago, different things. I have to admit that I, I never really think about it. I mean, I just and and that's that's something to be said, not only just for T-Mobile, but for the entire industry is as, you know, has has improved that much. Even buying a phone nowadays has become so much easier for a business owner. I mean, you can do it online and set it up, you know, remotely instead of having to go in the store and going through um, the nightmare that it is with you know some of these you know, some of these retail locations, which I'm sure you remember. So I, I, you know, so I mean a pat on the back for all that, and it's not just for T-Mobile, but it's for the industry. Let's talk about some, um, you know, you talk about innovation, you talk about experience. I mean, a lot of it is the devices that business people are using. I'm kind of curious, like what um, is exciting you about the future when it comes to hardware. So you know, I've got two things that I would excite me. And then you can comment on that, but then also you can add, first of all, um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on battery technology because I travel a lot and it's still like a fist fight for an outlet in any airport to charge phones. Everybody deals with that issue. And I'm curious, but somebody that's in the center of all of this, there's so many businesses that depend on this stuff, um, where you see that going and what might T-Mobile be doing about it. That's number one. The other is also um, just virtual and augmented reality devices. You know, Apple just released their latest headset, which is cool for gamers. And I don't know if you're into like the metaverse or if you're a gamer, but um, it's just a, there's no, I'm not wearing that headset. Do you know what I mean? Like a complete idiot doing it. You know what I mean? Like until we see mobile technology, like a pair of glasses that looks like a real pair of glasses where I can switch into a virtual world and have a meeting that way. I, you know, I don't know. And I, I guess I'm turning back to you to say, okay, so, you know, Mike, you're in the middle of this. You're seeing where things are going, you know. Um, you know, Tell us where you see some of this hardware going that's, that you're going to be using. Yeah, maybe maybe we can hit the yep. the uh, a augmented reality first. Because okay. um, it's such an interesting space. And I, and I do think it was really interesting that, you know, Apple made their big announcements at their developer conference there. Um, you know, I like I've watched... Um, I've been, it's a space I've been following for yeah. a long time. I know like my, my kids, we have the Oculus glasses at home. My kids, my kids use them. Which by the way, um, are unbelievable the when you put them on, right? I mean, they're, when you wear them, it's like, they're incredible stuff, you know? Super Yeah. Fun. I mean, like you really feel yeah. transported into an, into another space. Um, I think the challenge that they've had up to this point is there's, there's not a lot of content. There's not a lot of there doesn't seem to be a big, robust developer community building lots of experiences. But, but, but isn't and what that because like with, with like with the you know, when they introduced the iPhone, there wasn't a lot of content either. 
But because the iPhone was so awesome, you know, it was like a flock of developers came to it and built content around it. So it was kind of driven by the hardware, I guess, is yeah. what, what my thought is. Yeah, which, which, is, which is why I'm really interested with Apple going into this space, mm -hmm. because uh, I, I think Apple could be a huge catalyst to spark a developer revolution on this on this platform that just hasn't happened up to this point and you know this 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 might be the first step in like if if you've got i mean the iphone is such a great proxy because if you think about you know where the iphone started and how the hardware evolved the hardware really started to evolve around the app store and all the content that was being developed by creator uh, by uh developers and you know my guess is you know this this the ar the hardware itself is going to follow a similar path. Um, that this is uh, this is probably a first step of many for Apple and, and others uh, into this space. And as the uh, content uh, becomes much more robust from a really thriving developer community, um, my my guess is you're going to see a lot more innovation in the hardware. It get, it get smaller, more glasses like, um, actually look cool. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, be something that you could wear on a, on a daily basis, but. Um, I think that I think the content in the developer community needs to needs to catch up to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Apple being in there feels like a, a big, a big, big monumental change. I still uh, say, like, space. can you see yourself sitting in a meeting in a conference room somewhere with six other people and everybody's wearing these like headsets? That's just that's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of hope I kind of hope not. I think it's a little <laughs> bit too. I think it's a little bit weird. Uh, but I, I could you know, I could see. And we have seen, like you've seen some of this with HoloLens and stuff. Yeah. Some really interesting use cases yeah. that, I, that I think are valuable. You think about stuff like training. employee training. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's tons of training app applications for it. You, know, you think about like even use cases in our business where we, you know, send text to go service cell sites. And, you know, you have somebody that's relatively new or a, an issue that's uncommon. And being able to use technologies like augmented reality to be able to identify um, and pr and provide like real troubleshooting steps. Like I I think those things could be uh, could be really valuable. But I, I also am, am bullish on innovators and developers and and uh, you know the, and like I think we'll see use cases that we're not we're, none of us have thought of end up emerging on that platform. Do you are um, you confident that your networks and when I speak about yours, T-Mobile, with the industry stuff. You, you know, if, if that explosion happens, you'll be able to service that demand. Does that, does that concern the powers that be at all? Uh, no. In fact, I mean, that's kind of what our network is built for. Okay. Um, you know, our, net, our network is built to support use cases like this because for augmented reality to, to really work, um, you know, for it to be able to do things like uh, visually see something, recognize it and provide you prompts um, or, even more simple to not to make not uh, not have you feel queasy when you're yeah. using it, which is one of the things that I don't know if you if you get that experience. Like yeah. when I put those on for yeah. more than five minutes, I feel really queasy. Um, driving to lower and lower latency solves both of those things, and that's really what our network is is designed for okay. in a way that has huge advantages over um, a way a lot of these are being deployed right now, which is really connecting to Wi-Fi, which is relying on whatever you, the fixed network you're on. Um, you know, if you really want if you really want to take um, you know, AR experiences to the next level it needs to kind of work wherever you are, in which case the only technology that will support that is a mobile network. Um, so uh, our network, our network is, is built to do that. And, and I would say one good demonstration of the fact that our network is built to do that is I do think the first killer use case that's been built for 5G 
is what's happening in fixed mobile wireless or fixed mobile broadband. Um, you know, we, we, we announced last quarter, we have over 3 million customers that are using uh, our wireless network as their home broadband uh, network, uh, where it's displaced cable or fiber or whatever, whatever their previous incumbent was. Um, you could never do something like that where you have a broadband experience that's comparable or better to what you were getting with cable, um, where you're using, you know, not just dozens of gigabits, but hundreds and hundreds of gigabits um, because it's powering all the experiences inside your house off of the mobile network. Like that, that, that could not exist in a 4G world. Uh, that's only happening in a 5G world. So I, I bring that up as an example because you asked about, you know, are we worried about capacity and, you know, these things, these things overwhelming the network? No, because uh, okay. right now we're supporting over 3 million customers that are using hundreds of gigabits um, which, on, on their home broadband. Which, and, and I do want to get your thoughts on batteries, but just because you bring that point up, um, you know, it, it, it does mean that the future for a lot of businesses is that they won't be needing, you know, their, their hardwired internet connections or their local cable providers or whatever, that they can be running their businesses, um, their phone, their, their phone networks, their phone systems cloud-based over, you know, over their mobile broadband provider. And they shouldn't feel, you know, um, concerned or uncomfortable that the network wouldn't be able to handle that kind of traffic. Because that's the issue. And you have to realize yeah. that a lot of business owners are older. I mean, half of us are over the age of 50, you know? So we remember back in the days of dial-up and all that stuff that you just, there's no way you could have run your, you know, this wasn't even thought. But that, that's not that's not the reality today or in the future, is it? It's, it's not. And I, like the, I, I think because a little bit of that fear, I, I think small businesses in particular get taken advantage of because, um, you know, you look at, you look at the, what broadband alternatives have historically been out there. Um, broadband's kind of been a monopoly. Um, you know, businesses oftentimes have like one choice of who they can go to for broadband. And oftentimes the connection that's being sold to them is the exact same connection that they're buying at home. But because they're a business, it's jacked way up. Tell me about which, it. Which, which, is, which is kind of a ridiculous thing because businesses tend to use far less network asset than people do at home. Because, you know, we're not depending watching on Netflix. your business, you're, you're not watching <laughs> Netflix and you're not gaming and doing all those yeah. kinds of things. So the model has never made a lot of sense. Um, but, I, but I think that fear of um, either not having a choice or like seeing some of these other choices like, hey, this is the most important technology in my business and it has to work. Um, has prevented people from switching, but but you know I, I, what we're seeing, um, and I think what the industry is seeing is more and more businesses are seeing that there is an alternative and an alternative where you don't have to sacrifice any of the performance. Um, and I, I think that is a uh, a game changer for businesses. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't have to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for your broadband in your small business. Good. It's, it's, there's better choices now. All right, we're almost um, out of time here, by the way. And I just uh, and I and I feel bad because I I do want to I wanted to get some some marketing and lead generation tips for you. That's going to have to wait for another day. However, um, your your advice at the beginning of this conversation about how you you know, grew within the company is really well taken. But before I let you go, I did ask you before about hardware and batteries. And I only have to know because it's it really it's close to my heart, man. I mean, like you're in the middle of this stuff. Like, is are we are we going to be seeing? improvements, like significant improvements in battery? What, what is your forecast here? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I think that, I think the answer is yes. I mean, keep in mind, we're, we're, um, we don't manufacture the device. So, um, but, but I will say one of the benefits of 5g is it is much more efficient on, ba on battery and power usage. And so I think as, 
um, as 5G gets more widely deployed um, and as it, as it continues, there's a lot of evolution that, that still uh, will happen inside, inside 5G. I think you'll see without any changes in the actual battery technology, the battery is becoming more efficient. Um, I, I do. I'm, I'm still bullish that like it doesn't feel like throughout this whole course of wireless, if you look at like the last 20 years, that there has been big step changes in battery technology, which, which is kind of weird because you've seen it, you've seen it across every other hardware component. So I'm still bullish that there, that there's something out there. And one of the things that I've, um, one, one capability that I know has been, t I've seen some tests of it that I, I still am very interested on is the truly wireless charging. Um, not, not the, you know, I stick my phone onto a pad and it's physically touching it, but they literally walk into a room and your phone begins to charge because it's in proximity to a wireless charger. I think that could be a real game changer. And I know there's several companies that are testing that. Um, and I, I think that would be a really, really um, powerful change in the way that we use our phones. And maybe that's the that answer. Maybe that's the answer. And uh, health concerns aside, because I'm like, oh my God, I cannot even imagine what, what waves are hitting my brain. But um, if you think about it, if, if airports were equipped by something like that, the minute that you go, you walk into an airport, your phone's just charging, solves the battery, you know, battery issue altogether. So maybe yeah. that's the way to do it. Mike Katz is the president of marketing innovation and experience at T-Mobile. Mike, um, thanks so much. Your insights have been just fantastic. I want to wish you best of luck. Uh, I'm a fan of the company and I'm sure you guys will continue to, uh, kick butt in the mobile broadband world. So, uh, again, thanks for spending time with me. Yeah, thank you so much, Gene. That was a lot of fun. I yeah. really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and I learned a lot. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. My name is Gene Marks. You've been watching and listening to the Paychecks Thrive podcast. If you need any help or advice or would like to suggest a guest for our podcast, please visit us at payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics. We will be back again next week with another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. Again, thanks for joining. We'll see you again soon. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychecks can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.